That was a disaster. The Auburn Tigers fall on the road in Columbia to the South Carolina Gamecocks. We talk about what went wrong, what little went right, and where do we go from here on today's Locked on Auburn? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. I'm joined, as we are every Monday, by the one and only Lindsey Crosby. Whew, that was tough, brother. How you doing? You know, um, I've had better days. I've had... I've had better Monday mornings than this one. Um, that was uh, that was rough. Yes, and and I think the worst part about it, and there's a lot that's bad. I think the worst part about it to me is it feels it feels even worse than last week somehow. Right, and it shouldn't. Like we 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 shouldn't be getting worse week to week, and it feels like we are. No, you're absolutely right. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com. To learn more. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because what we watched Saturday night was not good. And for the for the first part of the season, we were able to say, okay, you know, the team is learning Mike Bobo's offense. We heard a lot the excuse of, well, the team's still learning Derek Mason's defense. If you do not know the scheme with the second to last week of the season, something is not right. Either the scheme is broken or the team has a hard time grasping what you're teaching them. Those are the two most likely options uh, of what we're what we're dealing with here. And at this point of the year, it should be fine. It should be solid. You can't do the whole year one thing anymore. Now, if you want to do that from a talent perspective, that is fine. I am okay with that because it is not Harson's talent. It is not Mike Bobo's talent. And it's not Derek Mason's talent. With the exception of the transfers and a few of the freshmen that are playing, which really the only freshman that comes to mind that really falls into this is Jarquez Hunter. Correct me if you think and think of somebody else that, that falls into this, Lindsay. But the rest are transfers. And that's not an excuse at this point in regards to the whole, okay, your last two games you've lost now to teams that you were more talented than. So, a message board poster at, uh, at AuburnLive.com, the corner message board, hoax message board over there, I think he put it into words very well. I assume it's a he. It could be a she. But talked about how, okay, I thought that last week was a fluke, you know, blowing the 28-3 to lead against Mississippi State and Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. And that appears to not be the case. I mean, the second half for Auburn over the last few games have been terrible. I mean, you didn't score anything in the second half against A&M. And then you scored very little in the second half against Mississippi State. And then you did virtually nothing in the second half. Well, I guess you scored three in the second half against South Carolina. That's not good, Lindsay. And it's funny because early in the season, we're like, okay, if Auburn keeps it close at halftime, we trusted this coaching staff to make adjustments in the second half. Um, we felt that way against Penn State. They kind of came on late. Georgia State obviously was one. But that appears to have been the actual fluke. And all of this so far this season. And I don't want to be negative. I like Brian Harson, And I really supported all these these staff hires that he made. But something's not mm-hmm. working. And at some point, you've got to change something. 
One of the big things that I'm noticing as we go through, especially in this three-game losing streak, which feels weird to say because I haven't had to say that in a long time, is there's a difference in the play calls when we open the game and we're going up against, you know, we have our script on offense and on defense of what we want to do versus when the bullets are flying, what are we asking these players to do in real time? In this three-game losing streak, scoring by quarter – First quarter, we've scored 31 points. Our opponents have scored six. Second through fourth quarters, we've scored 23. Our opponents have scored 78. And like you said, uh, you know, virtually shut out the second half against AM. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, barely scored at all in the second half. Three against South Carolina. Right. And it's not, you can't blame the players. You had. You had the benefit of the doubt as a coaching staff, and it could be, like you said, we're learning the scheme. It's year one. This late in the season, you can't blame the players. Right. It's your decisions. It's the plays that you're calling. It's what you are trying to do. Yep. And there's just there's so many moments in the last few games, both offensively and defensively, where we've kind of stopped and said, what are you doing? Whether it's the play call on the fourth down that wasn't converted, whether it was Derek Mason refusing to send a fourth rusher, against Mississippi State. There's all these moments when it's just painfully obvious that our coaching staff is just making the wrong play calls. And I don't think that's a thing you can just fix on the fly, short of firing somebody. That's probably true. That's probably true. And we'll talk about game plan in a moment. But the whole... um, I don't think... I'm not seeing people blame the players. I'm not saying it's not happening. But like I'm not really seeing that. Most of it seems to be directed at Harson and you know the messaging that happened early in the season with you know Harson's in over his head and you know he, he's probably not an SEC caliber pl- uh, coach and all that. You're starting to see that come up, but you're starting to see it from within the Auburn fan base, and that's not a yeah. good thing. That's not a good thing at all. The the chatter on message boards um, late Saturday evening and throughout the day Sunday is that he has lost the team. I'm not sold on that because I think, and it could just be the dudes that are being asked to talk to the media, but I mean, they're repeating the same stuff that he's saying. So like there's some buy-in, whether it's, you know, intentional or not, that that's happening. So like, I'm not ready to say that he is, he has lost the football team, but there's got to be something happening where it's like, this isn't working right now. What's happening yeah. isn't, isn't being successful. And these guys come to Auburn because they're told that they have a chance to win an SEC championship, and they do. And a few weeks ago, that was legitimate. A few weeks ago, if you beat A&M, you control your own destiny. And then even then, it's like, okay, well, if you take care of business against Mississippi State, South Carolina, then, you know, win, win the Iron Bowl, you're in. And since then, Auburn hasn't won a football game. Despite them being in a really good spot, um, th- that just didn't happen. And so that's, um, that's tough. That's really, really tough. And I don't really know where you go from here in that regard unless you make a personnel change. And I don't know, I don't know which direction you go with a personnel change. Lindsay, do you let both coordinators go? Do you make uh, changes at both of the coordinator spots? Do you pick one over the other? I, I don't know. And even if Harson wants to show loyalty by saying, like, no, these are my dudes. These are the first hires that I made while I was the head man here at Auburn. Like, that's fine and all. But from a recruiting standpoint, like, this fan base is important. 
the fan base buy-in is important, and we felt it at Jordan-Hare Stadium. We talked about it last week. When you blow that lead, you feel hope being sucked out of the program. And to me, when, when you look at this Auburn football team right now, there is no hope whatsoever. And that, obviously, is a huge issue. Yeah, that's the biggest problem right now facing this team. And you can't make, okay, so one, you can't make a major personnel decision before, before early signing day. Anybody who expects to hear on Monday morning that, hey, we're firing a coordinator, you're not going to get that, okay? In the, in the modern college football, you can't make a decision before early signing day. You have to get those recruits in. Well, because it, we're at the, it, last signing day, we didn't even have a head coach. I know, but but the guys that we're trying to bring in were recruited by these coordinators who are here. You can't let them go now. But right. I personally don't care if it's a position coach, it's an analyst, or somebody. The change that I want to hear Harson talk about is the deficiency is with in-game play calling. And he needs to he needs to say either I'm going to bring the microphone down on my headset and jump in when they give a bad play call, like that fourth down call, or I'm going to give play calling responsibilities to somebody or acknowledge that that is the issue. Right. Because the fans see it. We know. We're sitting here hauling at our TVs. They're running the same two plays the whole second half. Shane Beamer confirmed after the game. we They were running essentially two two plays all second half, and we couldn't stop it. And the players confirmed that too. Harson even confirmed it. You know, so... That's the I think that's the thing that can give Auburn fans a little bit of hope yeah. is if they can say this is an easily like a, a problem an obvious glaring problem we're going to at least make an attempt to acknowledge it and address it. Right. I don't know if that's going to help, but that's something I, you can do. I don't either. And if you're going to talk about a fourth and one mentality, run the ball on fourth and one. That's I right. know we're not talking we're not there yet, but you got a six-seven quarterback and a running back getting seven and a half yards of carry. Maybe don't throw the ball deep on fourth down. Yeah, yeah. Hey, today's show brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Lindsay, you know this. I know this. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. They are the college sports daily fantasy leader in the space. Mm-hmm. And uh, right before kickoff yesterday, you could uh, they set Kobe Hudson at three and a half catches. So. That was an easy one. Charlie Five texted me that about 20 minutes before kickoff. So that was a that was an easy layup there. No question about it. But yeah, prize picks, they offer a ton of different props uh, where you can kind of choose the over or the under there. But uh and then also they can kind of you can convert into fantasy points if you want to play that way as well. It's really, really fun. Highly recommended. Go to prizepicks.com, use promo code locked on, and get a deposit match of up to one hundred dollars. Prize pick is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lindsay, let's talk about the game plan. So, 
going into this game, no Bo Nix, no Anders Carlson, no Owen Papo, no uh, no Brandon Council, no Kobe Hudson, who is a natural wide receiver. And by the way, if you want to buy a natural wide receiver t-shirt, go to Auburn, nope, excuse me, go to aushirts.com. They've got some uh, fun podcast phrases from the show over there. Natural wide receiver is one of the many, the best-selling shirt over there at aushirts.com right now. But you're missing a lot of key guys. Mm-hmm. So even with those guys in, let me ask this question to you, Lindsay. Who is the best player on Auburn's team? Tank Bigsby. It is Tank Bigsby. Not even close. Even with those guys in, it gets a little closer when you talk about Tank or Owen. But yeah, yeah, Tank Bigsby's the best player on this team. Definitely the best player on the offense. And when the game mattered most, you didn't go to him. And he, I mean, props to ESPN for like having a camera follow him on the sideline because I think it told a really big story there. But he looked upset. And Tank's not a guy that we've really seen a whole lot of emotion from. But he wanted the football. And you could definitely tell that. And it's got to send a message when he doesn't get it on fourth and one. That has to say something. And then your last drive of the game, when you got about five minutes left to go, and he doesn't touch the ball once. How how do you explain that? How do you explain that, one, to the fan base, which they really didn't? Two, how do you explain it to the team? And three, how do you explain it to Tank Bigsby? I mean, I don't want to be this dude. Because if I had to, if I had to place money on it, I think Tank is at Auburn next year. But this is a guy where, like, Auburn fans were freaking out a year ago that Tank was going to transfer to Georgia. I mean, that was a heavy, heavy rumor. And then mm-hmm. if, after a few weeks of that, Tank went on Instagram. It's like I'm not going anywhere, kind of thing. It's like, okay, cool, great, thanks. But it's like I got a feeling we're about to go through that again. I just, I just got a feeling that that's about to be a big talking point over the next month or so. The theory that I have is that play callers, offensive coordinators are bad about this, but play callers are too cute. They they see themselves as a bigger part of the success than they actually are. And they the thing that they don't want is they don't want to do the obvious thing and fail. And so you'll see things where like on that fourth down, again, it's fourth and one, You've got a quarterback that is, according to the ESPN broadcast, the largest human being on the face of the planet. He's six seven, uh, by the way. Did you know that TJ Finley's six foot seven? Also, Jared Sidham's from Texas. And Bo Nix's dad played at Auburn. Yeah. So I am fine with the decision to go for it on fourth down. The analytics prove it out. I am fine with that. I am fine with the play call on third down knowing that you can go for it on fourth. But you have a running back averaging seven and a half yards a carry. And he didn't get seven and a half yards a carry by breaking some 80-yard run. His longest run in the game was 29 yards. Hmm. He was just consistently getting forward, like getting, getting positive yardage every single play. You have a backup quarterback who has had one week with the starters, who is missing his number one receiver mm-hmm. behind a line that we have talked a lot about does not have the talent to protect correctly and who is known for deep ball inaccuracy, who is known for putting 
Robert Griffin III's talking on the broadcast about how these tall quarterbacks throw dirt balls all the time. I mean, they're talking about it. Yeah. And we run the, we throw the ball on fourth and one. It's just the obvious thing is right there. And that's the kind of thing I talk about when I say, like, Auburn fans are going to need something from Harson to acknowledge, I understand this is a problem and I'm going to fix it. And the fix can't be, we have to be better. We've heard that now. This is the third straight week we've heard as a coaching staff, we have to be better. That ship has sailed. You have to tell us a concrete thing you are going to do. And I mm. think the only real option you have is acknowledging the deficiency in the play calls in game. I don't know how you explain this to Tank Bigsby, though. I mean, that's that's the thing. and that, That's what you asked. I don't know how you go to him and say, hey, you know, we had this really cool play drawn up. I thought it was going to work, and it didn't. That's not good enough. Sat- mean, Saturday night was probably the best I've ever seen Tank play. I mean, that, that was dude, Tank's Kenny Irons LSU game right there. That guy was running ticked off, and you could tell. And that's just not something we've seen a whole lot from him this year. 22 touches for 164 yards and a touchdown. Like you said, seven and a half yards per carry. And that's a lot of touches. That's a lot of touches. I totally get it. But at some point, you've got to win the football game. And Tank, Mm -hmm. just the kind of dude Tank is, he's okay if he gets to 26 to 27 touches in this game. I promise. I promise he's okay with that. Um, Because his face said it on the sideline that he wanted the ball more. But yeah, you, you don't go to your best player when the, when when it matters most in that fourth and one or in that um or in the uh, in the final drive. But man, that, that fourth and drive. Si- that fourth and sixteen though, what a dart! What a dart by T.J. Finley didn't result in any points, but still, what a dart! That final drive, I back just a second. That yeah. final drive, you have four passes and you give a carry to a wide receiver and not Tank Bigsby. Stop Stop being cute. Give the ball to the guy that's averaging seven and a half yards a carry. Tank Bigsby touched the ball twice in the second quarter. Touched the ball three times in the fourth quarter. Both times we had plenty of timeouts. We had plenty of time on the clock. You, Yeah, you had to march 90 yards down the field to score. You didn't have to do it by throwing every single play. You yeah. had four or five minutes on the clock. You had time to give Tank the ball. Give right. Tank the ball. Stop being fancy with it. Yeah, Demetrius Robertson had a carry for two yards. He also had a a nice touchdown. I'm looking for his passing numbers. He had three. He went three for 18 and a touchdown there. So, oh, there you, you want go. to talk about passing numbers? Shedrick Jackson, seven catches on nine targets for 111 yards. Javarius Johnson and Demetrius Robertson, six catches for 28 yards combined. They each got eight targets. You're missing your best wide receiver. You have a quarterback known for his inaccuracy and an offensive line that's not great at pass blocking and you decide not to continue giving the ball to Tank Bigsby. Like, I'm almost at the point where I'm asking, is this a fireball offense? You asked me last week about Derek Mason. I'm almost at the point where I'm asking that. Is is this in-game calling, is this, a, is this a fireball offense? I don't know if it is, but it kind of feels like it might, like it might end up being. Well, and it's weird because, like, Jarquez only got it four times. He got four rushes for, it was like 20-something, 18. Four for 18. It's like, what's going on there? Like, why? We just didn't want to run the ball? It's odd, man. Mrs. It's Mississippi odd. State, he got, he got four carries. 
We threw at tight ends, I think it was twice yesterday. There was a drop by Tyler Fromm, and then there was a pass defense against John Samuel Schenker. We threw, I think, I think twice, maybe three times at tight ends, but they were barely part of the game plan. And I'm like, I'm a little more okay with that. I'm a little more okay with that because all week we didn't even know if John Samuel Schenker was going to play. So yeah, but I. The, the, the point here, though, is like, why are you leaning on arguably the weakest position group yeah. of your skill players on offense? Well, you know, there was there was one pass to Sean Shivers, which wasn't really a pass. There was one pass to Jarquez Hunter, mm-hmm. one to Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby's one catch went for 24 yards. And it was just funneling everything to those three wide receivers, and two of them weren't getting it done. Right. I'd make the in-game adjustment and just keep giving the ball to Tank Bigsby. I, uh... Get, so normally I tweet out anytime Kobe Hudson does something good, I tweet out that Kobe Hudson is a natural wide receiver. Um, so Demetrius Robertson scores a touchdown, and I tweet Demetrius Robertson is a natural wide receiver. Dot 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 doesn't have the same ring to it. I guess he saw that and he DM'd me at like two in the morning, <laughs> and it was like I appreciate the fake love or something. And I'm like, what? I've defended you so much. What are you talking about? <laughs> And he, like, you know, he, he was following me, unfollowed me for it. But I'm like, man, that, uh, I don't know. You got other things to worry about, man. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. Um, hey, today's show uh, brought to you by our friends at Fetch Me Home Delivery. FetchMeDelivery.com is how you can go to their website, see all the great selection that they have for their local delivery in Auburn, Opelika, and Lee County. They, uh, they're Auburn folks, they're local people, they take care of their drivers, and they really control the whole process of delivery from start to finish, and they cater it um, for the highest possible customer service uh, imaginable. So they have real relationships with these local restaurants, and um, yeah, Harrison and the folks over there do an outstanding job. Go to fetchmedelivery.com or search Fetch Me Delivery in your phone's app store and check it out today. And when you place an order, use local meals for your uh, for your discount code, and uh, it'll save you some money. And they, uh, it also tells them that you listen to Locked on Auburn. So, appreciate that. FetchMeDelivery.com. Also, today's show brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and uh, all these bars taste like candy bars. They're good for you, and they are also a delicious, sweet treat that you know is going to be high in protein. It's going to keep you full and energized, whether it's a post-workout snack or... You know, it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You need to get through your work day to get something to carry you through dinner. Built Bar is a way to do that. And you don't have to feel guilty about it despite it tasting absolutely delicious. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com. Lindsay, last thing I really want to talk about, uh, special teams. What? Yeah. What in the world? Sure were special. Uh, yeah, they were not good. And they haven't been good all year. I mean, every time Auburn returns a kick, whether it's a punt or a kick return, um, there's probably going to be a flag. There's going to be a hold. Yep, there's going to be something um, there. Or, uh, you know, I don't want to put too much on Ben Patton. I mean, he's kind of in a tough situation. I can't imagine he ever thought he would be Auburn's starting kicker. So, yeah. Walk-on kicker. I'm, I'm willing to judge I'm, him for, Yeah, for that. I mean, that's whatever. That's a tough spot to be in. And he went, what, one of two? So he should have made that other mm-hmm. one. I think he made the longer one, though, which is kind of funny. But Yeah, he made but, the longer one, missed the shorter one. Yeah, so I, whatever. I mean, 
good for that dude was for good, stepping up. Yeah. It was a good snap, obviously. Right. Decent hold. He just he was trying to not push it and he just didn't get it over far enough. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, that's that's a that's a those short yardage kicks from the hash are a surprisingly tough kick for for a kicker to make. So. It's, it's interesting to me, and, and I'm going to try to have somebody on this offseason talk special teams a little bit more, but he appear, he, he, cooked, he kicks left-footed. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know... I don't know why you would have backup kickers that are, like, different-legged than... Yeah, different-footedness than, than your starter because you got to change everything. Like, that had to impact the hold and the snap, even though Jacob Quattlebaum is the best long snapper ever. But... Yeah, yeah I, I'm curious why that is, but whatever. Uh, I don't typically, want to spend a whole, Sure. Typically, the thing you want to do is you want to have a separate holder practice with the left-footed guy versus the right-footed guy because it is tough for that holder to mirror everything for the other kicker. So but what we should it? have been doing... Why, do, why, why would you even have it? Yeah, I mean, it's... It just eats up practice time. Like, why, why ideally, would you, do, you that? don't do that? But yeah, yeah, you'd want to have your own kicker for... Your own holder for that, but anyway... Sure, but, but yeah, no, no disrespect to Ben Patton. But yeah. obviously, the punt thing, the punt at the end of the game. Why are guys that close to the football? Whether it touched them or didn't, I think it did. Right. But but whether it, it did or didn't, why are you that close to it to begin with? Like, And, and people want to j- uh, blame Jalen Simpson for all that. It's like, no. no, no, it is the second to last week of the season. That needs to be coached into their head at this point. Like the, the opportunity cost... Banking term, economics term, there you go. The Appreciate opportunity that. cost uh, of being close to the football in that scenario isn't worth it. Like, that, that is, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you have done your job, and he's a defensive guy. Like, he has done his job. He has gotten the ball back to the offense. Is there as much time as you would like? No. Is a field position as good as you would like? No, but you've done your job. You've given the offense one more chance to win the football game. And it's like, get away from the ball. Get away from it. I am shocked they overturned it. I think he did touch him. I didn't think it was going to be enough to uh, to overturn it. But shout out to the ESPN broadcast team that one of them said like, oh, it's nowhere close. No, it's nowhere close to him. It's like, what are you watching, dude? Like, it's dang close, whether he actually touched it or not. Like, it's like, <laughs> what? What a disaster on all accounts. In the moment last night, I did not think it was indisputable video evidence. And then sure. going back and rewatching, being calm, having already processed the loss, it does touch him. But to me, the big issue there, and you see it quite a bit, the big issue on that play is Demetrius Robertson. Okay. So if you watch, we sometimes use Jarquez Hunter and we sometimes use Demetrius Robertson. And Robertson has been presented as the sure handed guy who's going to make the fair catch and secure us the ball. And that ball lands. There, there, he is clear enough where he needs to go get that ball. He can't sit back and let it bounce because an oblong object can bounce funny, and that's exactly what it did. It bounced back towards mm-hmm. the kicking team, and that's how it ended up hitting Jalen Simpson. Demetrius Robertson, if he's not going to catch that on the fly, he needs to be there to try to catch it off the rebound. Right. He lets it go but he stays behind it. If you're going to let it go, get out in front of it, call everybody off so they can get out of the way or do something. Don't just let it hit, let it bounce, and let it go hit your dude. So that's on Demetrius Robertson. And that just goes along with, we've seen bad special teams play from this team now all season. We've seen, like you said, we've seen penalties on every single kick return. We've seen you know, punts as far as 
either the coverage isn't great or we've seen a decision to fair catch when they shouldn't have fair caught or catch it and run when they really should have fair caught it. We've seen poor coverage, poor blocking. We've had blocked field goals. We've just seen special teams issues all season. And I know we don't have a dedicated special teams coach, and a lot of teams don't. But I think we really need to prioritize finding a guy next year who has some special teams experience. Because I don't believe Burt Watts has a whole lot of it. Let, let, let me ask you this. when you watch. Let me ask you this. What is Auburn's record as they currently sit at 6-5? and five? If Auburn has a full-fledged, let's say, very good special teams coach. Let's just assume they're very good. What's Auburn's record? Does it change? Does it help you win a close one against Penn State? Probably not. Does it help you win Saturday night? Probably not. If Demetrius Robertson catches the ball, you have the opportunity to win that game. Now, my whole thing is we should never been in that situation in the first place. We should not have been anywhere where a referee could have. But what's your confidence level if Auburn gets the ball back? What's your confidence level they go down and score? On a one to ten scale, because one to five is a terrible scale. On yeah, a one no, to ten if you're gonna if you're gonna rank something, use one to ten. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna say. I mean, honestly, I'm gonna say probably a four. Okay, but my confidence level in Auburn getting the ball back when it hits Jalen Simpson and isn't recovered is a zero. It is zero because we don't have the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and it's just one of those things where, to, like, special teams is only about one sixth of your. Of your offense, I mean, of your team, you defense, you know, defense, offense is most of it. Special teams is a small part, but it is something. And sure. right now, we are we are getting negative points from special teams, whether it's blocked field goals, missed field goals, turnovers on things like punts. Right. So, at the very least, I want special teams to be neutral. They don't necessarily have to be additive right away. We don't need to be breaking. I'm not insisting we break punt returns every game, but don't lose us opportunities don't lose us points and that's it. right now what our special teams unit is doing i get it's it not man. good enough i get it hey happy iron bowl week to you though we get to talk about the iron bowl week starting uh, iron bowl starting tomorrow so that's nice yeah that's um what a great uh what a great week we're gonna have um you lose mississippi state and south carolina it's like oh hey guess what guys now you get to play alabama so I- i'll go into this more tomorrow but just watching Alabama Arkansas before the Auburn game on Saturday, I'm watching and I'm like, I think I think we can do this. I think we can pull this off. And then it's like, oh, okay, we can't beat South Carolina. So I don't know. I don't know. Lindsay, where can people find you and hear you, my friend? I am at Auburn Banker on all the socials and in our Discord, and you can listen to me 7 to 9, Monday through Friday, on News Talk WANI. Awesome. Awesome. Follow me on Twitter at Z Black. We're showing Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video, please. Subscribe. It means a ton. And uh, yeah, go buy shirts at aushirts.com. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.